about being Linda is fine. This is more than just Linda. How many drinks did you bring up today? Oh, I have two drinks. So I've been seeing more and more of these memes on Instagram. About what? Women, Women with all their drinks. Multiple drinks. It is so true. Why is it true? It's so true. Well, this is a warm beverage, and then that's water. Like, I feel like I always have water on me. You feel like you have to go back and forth? Well, I just, yeah. I don't know if I have ever had two drinks at the same time. Like. That's weird. That's not true. If you go to a restaurant, they always bring you a glass of water. And then if you order anything else, then you're going to have two drinks. Okay, that's different. I'm saying. Oh, why is it different, though? I'm saying I don't think I've ever left the house with two different drinks. And you do it all the time. Well, (laughs) yes, I do. I do. You also don't drink anything else but water, really. That is pretty true. Like, if you have a Topo Chico, that doesn't really count because that's also water. Mm. Like, you don't drink coffee. You don't really drink much tea. So I'm curious. Let us know. Send us a DM on Instagram. Where do you fall on this spectrum? How many drinks do you bring? What is the appropriate amount I mean, of drinks? I to don't bring? even feel like I bring that many. Like there, yeah. ha- there was one time when I had, I had a, a tea or a chai or something with me, a smoothie and water, and I was like, "This is, <laughs> this is ridiculous." Like I felt ridiculous. It's getting to be too much here. But yeah. if I have my morning caffeine and water, that feels like that's. Not that much, especially if it's like we're going to church, like we're leaving first thing in the morning. I need both of them. All right. Well, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So that's the. uh, You started that out with, you know, what's great about being Linda. Well, you get to bring two drinks. That's what's great. Do you even have one? You're going to steal my drink because you don't even have one. I don't have any drinks. Well, I'll be okay. You're welcome. Thank you, When you need it. So anyway, today we're talking about our... uh, well, here's what happened. So I've been getting questions about this, and we ended up getting a question somewhere along the lines. I'll just paraphrase. Basically, if you had to start over and give a million dollars. To try and give away a million dollars again. Yeah. yeah. You know, because, you know, those of you who've been around, you know, like that was our biggest financial goal. Like we wanted to do that by the time we were 40. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we hit it just a couple minutes shy of the deadline. Or a couple of months. Minutes. Months. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, and so I was thinking back on this. I'm like, all right, so what would this look like if we had to do this over again? And what are the things we would do to get there? And mm-hmm. really, that's what this checklist was birthed out of. So so we kind of broke down what we're calling our 14-point checklist to give away a million dollars. Now, yeah. this isn't a step-by-step exact thing you need to follow um, because everyone's journey is different. Everyone's well, situation is different. And everyone's income is different. It's income, like, like know, everything's different. Yeah, everything's yeah. So, different. So it's not about that. But it is – my hope is that this will give you some ideas uh, and, and hopefully, if nothing else, just allow you to see what worked for us, what we did – to get there and what we're doing to get there again. So this is literally just a practical application of, you know, what would we do if we had to start over yeah. again? Yeah, and some of it gets a little bit um, specific. Is it is there spiritual stuff in here also? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, a little okay, bit of stepped in. But, uh, yeah, but we'll dive in and just kind of explore some of that in a second. Um, yeah. Would you mind turning off the uh, AC? Oh, I just heard it click, too. Now we can hear it. There's the AC. I got it. And just, it's running. The beat just keeps a running. couple, 10 seconds shy of... <laughs> It's going to be a good time for a drink. Oh, do you, you would you like, like a drink? You feel like you're sharing? I mean, 
I just got this new cup, and I'm really excited about it. It's cute. It is a good cup. But it's, it doesn't have to be cute. Like, it could be good for guys. They make different colors. So but do it's you, glass. And I've been drinking out of stainless steel for a long drinking time. Drinking out of stainless steel. And apparently, it's just like, I mean, it's fine. I was talking to a friend today, and we're, <laughs> she's like, I, I gave her a piece of gum, and it said aspartame free on it. And she goes, Oh, great. I don't want Alzheimer's. And I was like, Do you know that aluminum cans cause that too? And then I, I told her something else, and she was like, what? And I'm like, you know, basically everything causes cancer. So, I mean, we live in America. If you ha- eat any food in America, almost all of it is going to cause cancer. So I don't, I'm like, this is where the blood of Jesus comes in, and you just have to be like, Lord, you've numbered my days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, not that we make bad decisions, but. Yeah. But, but anyway, stainless steel is apparently not as good for you as just straight glass. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I true? remember, I feel like, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but I do remember, <laughs> I do remember uh, years ago, it felt like everybody was like, oh, yeah, drink out of stainless steel, don't drink out of plastic. And, and, now, and now I feel like, like transitioning to glass. But anyway, so this is a glass cup. Do you really feel like if the kids throw this on the floor, it's not going to break? No, I don't feel like that. And I told them they're not allowed to touch it. <laughs> I was like, if I see one of you touching my new cup, every single that's glass the end. that you have, I have had several uh, glass break. cups that they bro- that every single broken. one that you like, everything that I like, actually, they've broken. <laughs> I had this really pretty bowl from anthropology, and Oliver just threw it on the ground, like, oh well, like a Greek wedding. Yes. Like, well, no, he he did he did it on accident, but he was carrying it up above his head. Like, as, like, a fun way to carry it. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And my hands were full, so I couldn't grab it out of his hand. And then down it went. Anyway, right. it's fine. Okay. Let's get into it now that the air stopped. All right. So first up on our list. <laughs> a long intro. Yeah. So first up on our list is to start giving a percentage, okay? Yes. And so this is where I I think everything begins. And so going back to, I think, when we first started our financial journey, and you might have been different, but for me, you probably were different because you were a lifelong tither. I was a lifelong tither. I grew up in the church and... So you've always been giving a percentage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like so, when, I, when I was babysitting, with my babysitting money, my parents were like, 10% goes to the Lord. And yeah. I'm like, okay. And I just... Because of the way I grew up, I was just like, okay, that's just what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but I do think, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that's a great habit, <laughs> a great habit to start. And I think it's awesome that it it's like, it's always been easy for you. It's, yeah. Because for well, so many people. it's been a non-negotiable. Yeah. It's but, never been a question for me. Yeah, but, but regardless, I think the percentage thing is a big, big deal because mm-hmm. I didn't start giving a percentage, you know, like. I, I didn't tithe when I was younger, and I very much was giving. Well, I hated giving on top of that. But but then when I did begin giving, it was just kind of like, oh, whenever I feel like it or whenever I have extra. I mean, look how far you've come. Or whatever. What yeah. the Lord has done in your life. That's it's what he does. Amazing. You hang out with Jesus, he starts changing you. And, and so anyway, I just – that was a big, big <coughs> deal for me when I, when I finally started giving a percentage because what that does is it locks it down, and it makes it happen – uh, more consistently, which is super, super important, but it also makes it, it sets you up for success because it adjusts with you. So as mm. you earn more money, 
uh, it automatically increases your yeah. giving. Well, and it's that scripture that says, do what you've decided in your heart. Like it's real easy mm-hmm. to be swayed one way or the other when you're sitting there at the offering plate, you know, with the offering yeah. plate coming by. I don't even know if there are offering plates anymore, but oh, sure you, you get the idea some. where it's like, it comes time to give and you, it's real easy to go one way or the other, like go way over, like, let's give everything that we have, you know, cause yeah. you, you, you are in love with the Lord and you you have those moments in church where you're like, everything is meaningless. I just want to give everything away. Yeah. And then you also have the other thing where you're like, oh, shoot. Like we we were like, oh, man, the air went out. The air conditioning unit broke. And yeah. we we're like, do we give? Do we not give? You know, you have those questions. But if you have already decided I'm doing this, like I think that's what's so powerful about God saying, I want you to do what you've already decided. Yeah, Just follow through on it. Second Corinthians nine. For anybody yeah. who's curious, wants to read more about that. Just following through on it is so good. Yeah, and you know, and the other thing I would add to this percentage thing is, uh, this is great because you can even if you are one percent. You can increase that by 1% per year, and you just won't even feel it. You won't even notice mm-hmm. it. And we've been doing that the last 10 years, and it's like we haven't felt it. It's just it's been a, you know, like the uh, the frog in the pot of boiling water type of thing. Right. Like you're just sitting there doing it, but it just keeps up going with, yeah. It's we just feel a really, really much more thing. the ups and downs of, you know, what the business is making, right? Yeah. It's oh, like yeah. that's what we feel. We don't feel the giving portion yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that's the first thing on the checklist. Now, second thing along, yeah, that or where I want to go with this and what I want to touch on is following the never 100 rule. And so this mm. is, we talk about this in our book, Simple My Rich Life, if you haven't checked it out. We also <laughs> talk about this in Excuse our me. True Financial Freedom class. Mm-hmm. And this is just such an important concept. And, it's, and the idea here, like, it's incredibly important that we get to this point where we are not spending 100% of our income. And most of us who have heard anything before about money. We know that this is, oh yeah, I shouldn't spend 100% of my income. But it's so incredibly important. It it is the one golden rule of personal finance because without it, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how much you earn. It doesn't matter how much you save. It doesn't matter uh, how good you invest. Like none of the stuff matters without that. How disciplined. Yeah. Yeah, Like that is the one thing that matters more than anything else. And that's why it's so essential. It's so critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so that is just such an important key. Like if you ever want to be able to give away a significant amount, like you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to follow the number 100 rule. Yeah. Just these two points right here are really, they're pretty big deals. I, I mean, I think it. they seem like something that is not going to make a difference and that doesn't matter that much. Yeah. But this is actually something that is like, huge. So as we go through the rest of this list, just keep that in mind. Like it might seem like, is that really going to, is that really going to do anything? Yeah. And it is. I'll just tell you, (laughs) it is. It's a really, really big deal. I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people about Mm -hmm. money. People who have done really well, really poorly. The basics, the fundamentals are the most important things. I remember Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan just talking about this, about the idea of like what made him so great was that he worked so hard mastering the fundamentals. Mm. It wasn't like, um, you know, because like you go watch the Globetrotters or something, if you remember them or all these guys doing all these tricks with the ball and stuff like that. And like, that's all great. But if you can't do the fundamentals, none of that matters. Mm-hmm. I remember I, had a, I well, was in a like band. Everything. I was in a band in high school with a drummer and I, I loved him. He was the nicest guy in the world. 
Uh, and he could do like the coolest things on the drums and the coolest fills and all this stuff, but he could not keep time to save his life. So every single song would start out at whatever, 80 beats a minute, and then he would go up to 100. It's like oh every single gosh. song got to Just, the same thing. Like he couldn't do the one fundamental thing that drummers are supposed to do. And uh, and anyway, so point in all this is mastering these fundamentals is so incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So don't overlook this. All right, so that's number two. Let's go to number right. three. Number three is using a spending plan or a budget, if you will. I know that's a bad word for a lot of people, but uh, but using it's something. the B word. The B word <laughs> that you can stick with, right? Yeah. Do you have a comment on this? This, I mean, this is one of those things for me that I was like, first of all, don't box me in. I hate this. I do not want to do this. But you are. And also that I'm like, that's not going to work anyway. And it is exactly the opposite. There's so much more freedom that I have. When done right. That's the thing. When That's done the caveat. Right, sure. It's got to be done right. And we have all kinds of tips and tricks on how to do that. So Yeah, we're not going to go miles deep on that right now. We're not but. doing that. Yeah. But it's like, this is one of those things that's like, if you're not doing this and you don't think it's going to work, I just, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. Well, I just really. Just try it. I really encourage Let you us to help give you. it a shot. Let us help because, you And that, I think, too, is one of the the biggest testimonials we've heard. Well, I, I think when it comes <laughs> like, down to it, there is no way we could have reached that goal of no giving away way. a million without that. True. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. in all three of these that we said so far, and, and I think there might be some on this list where maybe, I don't know, maybe they weren't as important, but but there's absolutely no way we could have done this yeah. without this. This is the thing. You know, I like to call this, I remember hearing someone call, call this a, a lifestyle design blueprint. And mm-hmm. that's what's so powerful about it is you design the life that you want, where you want your money to go, rather than having it tell you where it's going to go. And that's the game changer. And so for us, we knew from an early, you know, early age when we were dating that we wanted to give millions of dollars away. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we created the spending plan. We created the budget yeah. to do that, to allow us to move in the direction we wanted to go with our money. And so whatever that thing is that God's calling you to do, whatever that thing is that you deem most important, this is the thing that's going to help you get there and move Mm -hmm. forward in that direction. Yeah, and you think that it's the opposite. You think, well, I mean, I'm just going to make those decisions on the fly, but that's just the wrong way to make those decisions. Yeah. (laughs) And that is the big key here. It's just so much less efficient, and most people just don't realize that. Mm -hmm. All right, next on this list is make a habit of selling everything that doesn't get used. yeah. Okay. So I wouldn't call this the fundamentals. I would call this starting to get into some of the nerdier specifics. But but I will say that this was a, has been a habit that I've had for a long, long time that I think has just played a significant role in all of this. And, and I'm not going to go miles deep on really a lot of these things because a lot of these individual points that we're making, we've talked about in other podcasts or in our book or in our course or whatever. Right. But I'll try to give you the high level here. But um, there was a study done by this group, NPD group or something, and they found that the average U.S. household has over $7,000 worth of things that could be sold on eBay can't or that. Facebook Marketplace. Uh, and I would have never believed that. But we went through, we've done this three or four times where I've, I've taken a couple weeks, gone through our house, just found all the stuff that I'm not using, old gear and this or that or whatever. Mm. Like Old baby stuff is a big Baby one. stuff, like yeah. all kinds of stuff. And just said, all right, I'm going to take a weekend like list all of this one Saturday and just try to sell as much as I can. Like we had one 30-day period where we sold over 2000 made over $2000 by doing this. 
Uh, we've had multiple other 30-day periods where we've made over $1,000 by doing it. Mm. And so anyway, so I'm starting to believe that stat a little bit, you know. Uh, you know. <laughs> so again, like that's the average U.S. household. Sure, you might not have that much in your house, but point is you probably got something that you can make some money on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so this has affected my buying decisions. And so all this plays together now to where I make buying decisions based on what I think I can sell something for. And so I don't buy a lot of things where I think there's just not much value in it, you know, because at the end of the day, most things I buy, I'm not going to use for the rest of my life. So I might as well have an exit strategy for it. Yeah. And you really do. You're like, this is what it's selling for on eBay. If I buy it for this much on eBay, I can probably sell it for the same amount that I bought it for, you know, or sometimes it makes more sense to buy new like you. And the coolest thing about this, he means this. The coolest thing about it is that this often allows you to actually buy something better and of higher quality, right? Because those yeah. are the things that tend to hold their value, and oftentimes that actually is the better deal in the long right. run after you end up selling it. You know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so it's just a little bit of a yeah. So that's our number four on the list. Yeah. All right, number five on the list is building an emergency fund um, of let's say one thousand to three thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. And this leans into point number six or item on number number six on the list. But uh, but the thing here is, I think for us, you know, we were just typical in that we had a whole bunch of credit card debt. We're overspending on things. Just didn't have a lot of discipline with our spending. Racked speak up a bunch of debt. Speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> do I really need to? Do you want to speak for yourself? <laughs> so... Anyway, so yeah, that was our situation. We just had a good amount of debt. And being as we were trying to climb out of the debt, get that taken care of, having an emergency fund was helpful as just mm. a, all right, this is something that we can back things up with. And yeah. That way, if an emergency comes up, we have some money here. We don't have to put it back on a credit card and right. dive back in that hole. Or take it out of our giving. Yeah. Which can be a real temptation. Yeah. And so that leads to point number six is just to pay off all of our credit cards. Mm. Okay. Right. Like... And, and again, like some of this feels obvious restating this, but but again, these are the fundamentals. These are, when you have credit card debt that has whatever, 15, 20, 25%, it's like an anchor that is weighing you down, mm. holding you back from moving forward in your financial progress. So if you imagine a boat on the water with an anchor, it's like even if you're going to move a little bit, it's dragging in the sand. You're not going very far, very fast, yeah. you know? Uh, and so this is, that's why this is so important to get rid of that. And as we did, as we got ours paid off, it's like, all right, there's so much more cash here that's available mm-hmm. to put towards the things that are more important to us that we want to put money to. And for yeah. us, a lot of that was giving. So this was a significant, uh, role of like played a really significant ro- sure. role and part in us being able to give away a million. And just a random side note, um, when we were asking and believing God to pay off our debt, the Lord asked us to give more. Yep. Just throwing that out there that, yeah, if you haven't heard that story, where is it? Is it in the uh, book? Probably. It's got to be in the book. Yeah, we talk it's about in the it. book. We talk about the True Financial Freedom course as well. But yeah. anyway, we've just had that. We've had experience multiple times where God yeah. seems to, yeah. And we're like, are you serious? Lead us in a different direction. <laughs> All right. Number seven is decide to never take a car loan again. Oh. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I I learned this lesson from a millionaire mentor of mine when I was in my early 20s, and he said most Americans destroy their possibility of having any sort of financial freedom by two decisions that they make, the decisions they make with their cars and the decisions that they make with food and eating out. And I have found that to be so true. Uh, That's one of those ones, honestly, that kind of stings. Yeah, no, it is, but it's just true. Like we as Americans spend so much money on our yeah. cars between the actual – 
car and the car loan and the car insurance and the car maintenance and mm-hmm. the gas and like everything there that is involved in that. Uh, and then it's the same way with eating out. Uh, yeah. Well, you know. now it's grocery bills. Well, grocery bills, eating out, like it doesn't really matter. Food but yes, in general. Grocery, but yeah, there's just a lot of room or, to save I there. I mean, but, eating out is the big one. But anyway, coming back to this car loan thing, like that was one of those first things where once we paid off that first car, it's like, all right, how do let's just keep driving this thing. Let's drive it for free, which was amazing, you know, because I had always had car loans. You had always had car loans. We didn't yeah. know what it felt like to drive a car and not have to pay a loan. Yeah, that was pretty. And so then we just fun. took that extra money, started putting in a savings account, and then buy the next car with cash a few years later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not a super amazing car at that point, but just keep doing that. And we bought all of our last, what, four, five, six cars with cash. Yeah. Just by continuing that pattern. And so right. we haven't had to pay any of that interest. We've saved whatever, it, tens of thousands of dollars of interest payments now. It's to the point now where people are like, oh, my car payment. And I'm like, oh, you have one of those? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we've forgotten what it feels like because it's been so long. Right. Because it is it, like once I hear that and factoring it into like, oh, shoot, what if we had to have a car payment right now? And I'm just so thankful yeah. that we broke out of that cycle. Yeah. But it does and take a little bit of work to break out of the it cycle. It does take you know? some work. It takes some work and some sacrifice in that uh, you're probably not going to be able to buy your first $40,000 car with cash. Like, you right. know, so you're probably going to have to start with something a little bit there. cheaper. But that's the other thing. It's like you can get a 10 year old Honda that is well taken care of and is a really nice car, mm-hmm. you know, and you can get that for so, so cheap. And so it's a lot easier than I think a lot of people think I to kind of break out of the cycle. Yeah, I will say that was one of the things I was surprised about is because when you were like, no, we're going to get a used car. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I want the new car smell. I want in my head what I really wanted was a clean car. Yeah. Like a super clean car. And it's like, that's actually not that difficult to achieve. Even if you buy it off a person and you're like, this isn't you know as clean as I want, you can get it detailed for like a couple hundred dollars. And yeah. you're like, oh, this feels like a new car. Yeah. Yeah. We've done it to our own car. We've gotten yeah, a detail well, before. And I was like, this was the best. I think it was only like 80 bucks for us. I was like, this was the best 80 bucks we have ever spent on this Well, car. I remember that that guy came over to the house. Like, he, he came. Oh. And I don't know if this is the same one. But anyway, mm-hmm. he was out there with a toothbrush on this car for like three hours. That. And I'm like, wow. I think that's when we sold one. Okay. I'm like, so this is how you clean a car. <laughs> with a toothbrush. But anyway, point is, is that. You can make a car feel really, really nice. Really nice, And yeah. on top of that, the new car smell, for as fun as that is for some people, it's actually toxic gases. All right, in case you're here curious. we go. <laughs> have to that'll play a doctor. You, that'll give you cancer. But, <laughs> that'll give you cancer, too. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, it might even be better to not have a brand new car for that reason. Uh, anyway. I did hear this story about this guy who bought this brand new car, and he is like super excited about it. And he gets into this car, and it was like every time it would like sit in the sun or something. He was like, "I the smell was so strong and so bad." He started getting so sick, and he gave the car away because he could not get rid of it fast enough. He was like, "I can't sit in this car another minute." There you go. Can you imagine? I imagine. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to stop this episode, and we'll pick this up in the next episode. And if you want a copy of this uh, checklist, we actually have a PDF version of this that we sell on our site, but because we love our podcast listeners so much, we'd love to give it to you for free. So just send me a DM at Seedtime on Instagram 
uh, we can get it to you that way. Or if you want to send me an email, bob at seedtime.com, and we can get you hooked up with that. So with that, we'll see you in the next episode. All right. We want to know if you've heard about our flagship class called True Financial Freedom. Yeah. And if you haven't, it's more than just a money class. Mm -hmm. It's really about fulfilling your God-given purpose, breaking free from hidden money beliefs and making a lasting impact. Yeah. And we've gotten feedback from students and they've said things like, it is the first class I've taken where at the end of each session, I felt equipped and not burdened. Yeah. And it's less theory and more realistic action steps and guidance. We've also heard it felt like a conversation with friends, which is awesome. Yeah, and it encouraged me in ways I didn't think I would ever experience. This class is on demand, and it's designed for churches and small groups as well as individuals. And you can get all the details at seedtime.com slash TFF.